0: morning, Midtown. Um, How about this weather? I'm just kidding. Um, I'm really excited to be here with you this morning um, because the Lord has uh, prepared something beautiful for us. And so I just wanna start with this thought. um, You know, if you really step back and think about it, what we are doing as Christians is really weird and really wild. Because what we're saying is that there was this man who lived... 2,000 plus years ago, who we follow. Like that's what it means to be a Christian. It means you are following Jesus, his teachings, his life. And so we believe that this man who was God and man who lived over 2,000 years ago, he lived on this earth, he died, and something that happened in his death was, did something for me, like did something in my life when I didn't take my first breath on this earth for 2,000 plus more years, And that after he died that he was raised from the dead by God to never die again. And that he actually still speaks to us and that he loves us and that he's engaging with us. I mean, that's, you know, I I think if you're, if if someone who's been following Jesus or been in the church for a long time, you can really miss that that's what we're saying. That's the foundation of everything. And uh, I just think that's amazing. And so something that he said on the way to the cross, on his way to die, As he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it's just a seed. But in dying and being buried and being cracked open and and life springing out of it, that's where it flourishes. That's where it bears fruit because that's what it was meant to do. And so Jesus was telling his people like, hey, I'm that seed. I'm going to go be crushed and life is going to flow out of me. But it also doesn't stop there. He's saying, and the good news is you're also that seed. It's the good bad news is uh, in you laying your life down and you being crushed is where uh, you are gonna find and experience and live out of abundant life. But um, this is the opposite of how you and I live so often. So often we live like, uh, I've got four little kids at home and it's like, When they're trying to get my attention and I'm on my phone and it's like, uh, hey, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I'm like, yeah, okay, one more, just one more. second. let me get this text finished. Let me check this email. Okay, let me see about this deal on these outdoor stoves. Okay, let me just, let me just, let me just. Okay, yeah, what was it that you wanted to say to me again? And uh, Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, hey, I got this seed thing that I want to tell you about. And we're like, yeah, yeah, hold on, Jesus, I really want to hear about this seed thing. But first, let me just, let me just get my career in order. Let me just, let me just get my house. There's this house that we really want to live in, this furnishings that we really want. Let me just make sure our finances, okay, let me just make sure our kids are okay. Let me just, let me just, let me find my soulmate. And okay, yeah, okay, Jesus, what, what was that seed thing you wanted to tell me about? Oh, I'm dead and I, I missed all of it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and he is, he is coming to us, this year especially. Um, I don't know about y'all, but like this year, Jesus is really messing with me and my stuff a lot. Uh, it's like he's come into my house and just kicked the door open and started knocking stuff over. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa I, that's my stuff. Like I needed that. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm actually saving you from all of this because your self-focus is, is killing you. Like I, it's so easy for me to believe this lie that like, when I can focus in on myself, when I have enough me time, when I have enough me resources to make everything okay, that's when I can come up for air and take a breath and say, okay, okay, now, now I'm ready to live. And Jesus is saying, you know, that's a lie. That day is never gonna come. And all of this self-focus is actually killing you and keeping you from experiencing abundant life. Um, You know, we're just so fragile and anxious, and depressed, and angry, and it's all just kind of like just below the surface, and we feel like we're just teetering, and if things take a wrong turn just a little bit, then it's all gonna just fall apart. Um, and we're kind of in those places, we're just wondering where Jesus is. And we're like, you know, he, he's with us the whole time, and he's trying to tell us this thing about the seeds, but we're actually, not listening to him and we're going in the opposite direction and we're wondering why he's holding out on us it's like you know this this week it's like if you if you want to drive in icy snow it's like somebody telling you hey you need to put it in four-wheel drive you need to not go up or down any really steep hills and you need to just go slower than you normally would and don't slam on the brakes just pump them a little bit but like We're just zipping around in our Miatos, ramming into power poles, wondering like why none of this stuff works. And it's like, you're not listening. You're not listening to anything uh, that I'm saying. And so Jesus is speaking to us, um, speaking this message to us today through Paul's life and Paul's ministry and this letter to the Thessalonians. And Jess is gonna read this for us in a little bit here. Um, But this letter is all about joy. It's all about joy in the waiting And Paul is joining Jesus and saying, he's right. If y'all would listen to this seed thing, he is right. Like this is where joy is found because I'm experiencing it. And what they're saying to us this morning is your self-focus is killing you. And you will actually find life and joy in loving others the way that Jesus does. And this is the plan that he has for us both all of Midtown, but you know, speaking directly to our Midtown West people, that, that's his plan for us. That's what he's leading us on. This is the adventure that we're on together. Um, experiencing the love of God in Jesus for ourselves and then that love just spilling out in our lives and our words and our affections into the world around us and getting to watch that joy spread everywhere. So um, with that, I'm gonna ask Jess if she'll read the scripture for us.
1: First Thessalonians two eight through twenty. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil; we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we were, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You were witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards. You believers, for you know how, like a father with his children, we extorted each of you and encouraged you and, in, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at this coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Jess. We're going to pray. Father, you tell us in Psalm 81 uh, to open our mouths wide so that you will fill it. And so Lord, we ask you to come and help us open our mouths. And Lord, we we ask you to keep your word and come and fill them with good things that uh, bring us life in Jesus name, amen. So uh, this passage that we just read, we, if you 're paying attention last week, uh, this verse eight was the last verse of that passage. Um, I brought it back in for the to kick off this passage because this really is like the the theme verse of what Paul unpacks in the rest of this passage so i 'm going to read that again. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own selves because you have become." very dear to us. And so this morning we're gonna look at this love of Christ that he has for us and that he's inviting us into and to share and and look at kind of like holding up a diamond and looking at different facets. We're gonna look at three facets of this love and and really just enjoy beholding Christ's love um, that we see here in Paul in this passage. So first is this idea of of that love is is a love that's ready to share with people our whole selves. Um, Paul was being accused Uh, by his opponents here uh, in Thessalonica about being, he was accused of being self-focused. He was accused of being here doing ministry for his own purposes. He was here to gain money, to gain a following, to gain prestige, you know, fill in the blanks, but that this was all about him. And so Paul was a leather worker. Uh, He built tents, he made tents. And so, I mean, that's just really hard manual labor. And so even though it would have been totally appropriate as he was here doing ministry for these people, for them to assist him and give him a place to stay and give him food to eat, he said, you know what? With this accusation out here that I'm here for myself, um, it's not worth it. So he worked and toiled and labored night and day so that he wouldn't be a burden to these people at all because he was here for them, not for himself. Um, He's laying down his rights. He's laying down his preferences. He's laying down his comfort. And I've heard a few stories lately uh, which really are just, gut-wrenching and and very sad about um kids adult kids discovering like college age kids discovering that their parents have gotten into debt and without letting them know have just either drained their bank accounts or ruined their credit and you hear those kind of stories and you're like man that is so backwards that is so messed up that you know, you're actually the one that's supposed to be giving to these people and, and you're taking from them and making them give to you. Um, and as soon as I say that and I want to throw rocks at those parents, I realize I do that in subtle ways to my own kids. Like I come into their lives and, and, and take from them to give me something, um, but that's not what's happening here. And that's not the way that Jesus loves, it's not the way that Paul loves. Um, and, Lord help us to not be the way that we love as we, as we understand Jesus' love for us more and more. But it just reminded me this week as I was in this passage thinking about this, um, if y'all have ever seen Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe, he's this boxer who is just in obscurity and very, very poor. And so he's trying to train to be a heavyweight fighter and he is so poor that he can't even scrape together enough money to buy food to feed him and his family just like meager rations. And there's this scene that's so poignant, so beautiful in the movie where um, he's sitting around the dinner table and his wife gets like the last of the food and everybody's plate is just so pitiful. I mean, there's just hardly any food on all their plate and the kids finish their food and they say, we're still hungry. And you just see this, this scene where Russell Crowe, you know, he's working out hard every day. So he's just burning calories and he looks down at his plate and he says, Hey, you know what? I'm really full so you guys can have mine." And he's starving, he's starving, but like, it's his joy. It is his joy to watch his children eat this food that was gonna be his. And, and the way that Paul is experiencing this kind of love, um, he, he knows this, because, not because he came up with it, but because he's experienced this in Jesus. He wrote another letter to another church uh, in Philippi, and in that letter, he says this, Hey, don't do anything from selfish ambition or self-focus, but in humility, count other people more significant than yourselves. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Like I've seen Jesus do this. I've seen Jesus love me like this, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Paul was like in touch. This wasn't a one-time thing. Paul didn't hear this news and then that was something that was always in the rearview mirror. Paul was in touch with Jesus's selfless love like this for him all the time. This was a very present, very felt reality for Paul that he was able to draw strength from and live out of. And his life being given like this, Paul's life being given like this to the Thessalonians uh, was, was going back to that seed idea. It was this seed casing, but within the seed was something that was really powerful. The thing that needed to grow was not just Paul's love and his self-sacrifice, but it was the, the very word of God, this message of the gospel. And gospel is just this uh, Greek word that means good news. It's the good news of God's love for people in Jesus Christ. And so so this readiness to share with you the gospel of God, speaking words of life. Um, Paul kept going in the face of major opposition here, threats, prison, beatings, shameful treatment, just to get this message of the gospel to these people because there's something here. He's thinking, if I can just get this message to these people, just... just dive across the finish line with this message so that they can have it. If I can just hand off the football of the gospel and get it to somebody else as I'm going down and being tackled, uh, then I will have done my job and then something powerful and something beautiful can happen. Paul is so thankful we see in this passage because it's happening. He says here in uh, verse 13, we also thank God constantly for this that we got this message to you and that you received it, that you believed it, that you took hold of it with your own hands, with your own life, and you, it was real to you, that it, it really was the word of God to you and that you're living out of this good news. You've taken hold of it and it's shaping every aspect of your lives and your identity and how you see yourselves. He says, this gospel is at work. In you believers, like as Paul is gone, the gospel, this word is still working in them. This is powerful. And Paul doesn't just yell it in the streets. He doesn't just print flyers and leave. He applies this gospel to their lives, to their everyday lives. He encourages them with it. He consoles them with it. He urges them to live out of the truth of it. He's applying this message and all of its implications to the people's lives on the streets where they're really living in your everyday life. This isn't just some idea that sits up here that you meditate on in your ivory tower. This is a thing that is meant to transform every aspect of your life. And I'm gonna help you see that. When you are down about this, when you think that this is where you need to find life, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring this message to you and encourage you with it. I'm going to console you with it. I'm going to urge you on and and, and I want to say here, uh, some of us are, are going to get triggered by this phrase um, here in in verse twelve, exhorting each one of you uh, to walk in a manner worthy of God. And i want I want to talk to you about what that actually means here. Um, Paul is not saying you need to perform and you need to get yourself together because God did something for you, and now it's your turn to do something for him to pay him back. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Um, that word worthy means corresponding to reality. That, that now, because the gospel is true, that my life reflects me living out of God's love for me in Christ. It's like thinking about a, a high school kid who is just trying desperately to find their identity in partying or drugs or sex or whatever it is, and it's somebody, uh, a family member, a young life leader, somebody coming to them and just reminding them, hey, this is not who you are. This is not, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to beg in the gutters uh, for the world's affection because you're a son and daughter of the king. Like the, the banquet hall is open. Come in and feast. This is where life is found. You don't have to live like this. It's not a shaming. It's an invitation and a reminder of like, don't let anyone else tell you who you are. You are worthy in Christ to be here. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. He's inviting you into his home so that he can love you forever. And that's what we're, that's what we're living out of. This is what Jesus was doing. He was bringing this message to us. Uh, John 14, six, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life and nobody comes to the father except through me. And what Jesus is saying is, look, this message is for everybody, but it's this message. There's no other message that has this kind of power. There's no other message that changes things on a cosmic level in your soul, in your life, in the world. This is the message, and that's why this message is what Paul is so desperate to get out. Um, That's why this message in many forms and fashions as we engage with other people is is what we are so desperate to get out into the world, into the lives of the people that we love, to remind them of who they are in Christ, to introduce them to Jesus maybe for the first time, but it's this message. And all of this sharing of life, all this sharing of the gospel, um, if that's all it was, as beautiful as that is, um, it would lose so much of its power because the foundation would be gutted uh, because the foundation is this deep affection. It's, it's Paul's deep affection for these people um, that it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of Christ's love for them. As he says in verse eight, we're doing all of this because you have become very dear to us. This is not a program that I'm following to make me great so I can go and do these things and get my Boy Scout badges um, I'm doing these things because I love you and I'm getting this message to you. I'm spending myself because I care about what happens to you. This is not a flash in the pan. This is me saying, I'm here whatever it takes because I love you and I wanna see this truth of God's love for you take hold in your life. I mean, look at, look at this passage. Like what is Paul doing? He's, he's met these people only a few months ago. He never knew them before this. He's never met these people before, and now he is borderline obsessed with them. He says, I'm affectionately desirous of you. You were so dear to me. You were my pride and joy. He's like a teenager in love saying like, nothing will ever keep me from you. He's using this dramatic language in verse 18, 17 18. We were ripped away from you. We were orphaned apart from you. I'm like, whoa, Paul, take it easy. You're kind of creeping everybody out here. Paul is not creepy though. Paul is captivated. He's captivated by Jesus's love for him. And he is imitating this love that he experiences in Jesus in the lives of these people that he's loving. This love, um, when he says in verse eight, we are affectionately desirous of you. Um, it's a play on this word agape that Dave talked about in a sermon a few weeks ago. It's this This new type of love that only exists in Christ, it is is a love that can only come from God. It is unique to God. And this unique kind of love, uh, this is how it works. It gets in you and then it flows back toward God and it flows out to everyone else without conditions. Jesus has put this love in Paul, so Paul can enjoy it and then go be a super spreader. Like Jesus is sending this love in Paul down to Broadway with no mask. Too soon. Okay. It's the foundation of the house. um, And without it, all of the preaching and all of the self-sacrifice is just uh, more self-focus. It's me doing this because I think I need to do this to get something from God. Let me me give you a real example from this week. Um, Preparing to preach a sermon is not always fun. There are times when it's really fun and I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord and he's showing me things that are beautiful and wonderful and I, it's my joy to come and, and give them. And then there's times where it's really terrible and I don't enjoy it at all. And let me tell you what the difference is between those times. The difference is who I'm thinking about. When it is really a terrible experience to try to prepare a sermon like it was at the beginning of this week, it's because I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about this as a performance. Am I going to sound good? Are people going to think that this is a great sermon? Are people going to tell me, like, good job and and way to go and we love you? Um, And when I'm in that place and it's all about me and it's the self-focus, it's terrible because it's just like this prison. And then as I'm bringing that to the Lord this week and he's like, yeah, actually, um, you're preaching on this and you're doing it so uh, how about let's try the way that like you're about to go tell everybody is the way that you find abundant life and not think about yourself all over the place. And so then I I started praying for our people at Midtown West. And I started thinking about them and thinking like, Lord, what do you want to say to them? What do you, you want to say in this word? And I started thinking about Jesus and thinking like, you're amazing. And I need to spend some time with you and remember how amazing you are. And now when I'm thinking about Jesus and I'm thinking about what this is really for is 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 bringing Jesus to me and you um, now it's a blast because the the pressure's off. it's not about how I feel about this or how you feel about me. it's about Jesus' love coming to you, encouraging you um, through me, and I get to be a part of that, and that's a great joy. I want you to look at uh, verse nineteen, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming uh, this this verse God just like zoned me in on this verse, and uh, it was really confusing, and I think that's why he zoned me in, is he's like, there's some really beautiful stuff here, I don't want you to miss it because you can't understand it. And so the more I spent time on this verse, um, I started seeing like, Jesus is returning. Like that's reality, Jesus is coming back to gather his people to spend eternity with him. And so Paul's saying, when that happens, when Jesus comes back, what is my hope on that day? What is my hope? Um, In effect, he's asking, what would be the greatest blessing that I could possibly receive at the judgment seat of Christ when he comes back to gather his people? And he says, it's you. It's you because I don't need anything else. You've already given me everything I need. I'm experiencing your love in real time. In in Ephesians 1, 3, I think, uh, he says, we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We're okay. In Christ, we are loved. And, And so now that we're okay, Paul's saying like, man, my hope really is like, daddy, can they come with us? Can I bring my friends with me to enjoy you forever? Like that's his hope. And then he also says, when Jesus comes, you're our joy. We love you and we love being with you. As we go on together, as we walk through life together, man, like my love for you grows. My affection for you grows because the more I spend time with you, the more I love you. And that's what, you know, your, your quirks, your weirdness. Um, and that's my hope for us at Midtown West and, and everywhere. It's, it's weird talking to Midtown West and everybody uh, at the same time, but I'll just talk to Midtown West and this also applies to everybody. Like it's my hope that we all know and appreciate and live in each other's weirdness because that means that we will have gotten to know each other that our real selves will have come out and we are enjoying all the the full colors of the fact that we are all characters. Um, And the Lord is blessing us with the joy of getting to live life and spend time with all of these crazy characters. And then he says, "You are our crown of boasting." And what he's talking about here is like a victor's crown, like they used to give the, you know, this wreath if you won an event at the Olympics. Um, And he's saying, "You are our crown of boasting because we have been in a race, we have been in a competition, we have been in a war, and we have defeated the dragon and saved the princess. We we are a a black ops unit sent on a rescue mission, and we have succeeded." And everybody's coming home because we came for you. And now you're coming with us. And again, this doesn't, this doesn't begin with Paul. Paul is not some amazing guy in his own power. Paul is a guy just like us. But he has been with Jesus in a special way and Jesus is very real to him and his love is very real to him. In Hebrews 12 too, it says this about Jesus. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? It is eternal life with his father and with all of his people. Jesus was thinking about you and me and his father and how all of this is gonna be made right, how there is gonna be a time where we are all celebrating the greatest wedding reception in history that will last forever. He is thinking this, all of this is worth it for that. This is a flash. No matter how painful this is, no matter how ugly this gets, all of this is, it is so, it is just a blip on the radar of eternity because it is so worth it, it is so worth it. And so um, Midtown Jesus is transforming us. He is making us these kind of people and what joy, getting to share our lives and share the gospel with other people from a heart of deep affection for them. So it's not this creepy program, but it's just love, no matter what the response is. And it takes various shapes depending on the kind of relationship it is. It's, it's, it's quick interactions, it's committed discipleship, spending time with somebody on a regular basis. Um, it, it's that and everything in between, just depending on, You know, everybody's different and how you love somebody and how you express that affection and share the gospel with somebody and share your life with somebody is different. And the Lord's gonna call us all the different kinds of that and paint with all these different colors throughout all these different seasons of our lives and all these different relationships. And so that's for him to talk to you about um, as you spend time with him this week of what exactly that looks like. But really at the bottom, it's being open. Something that we talk about at, at Midtown West a lot is Um, It's this idea that now because of Jesus, um, if you think about your relationships as these concentric circles and they're like fences and there's a gate uh, gate opening in every one of these concentric circles and like I've got my inner circle and then I've got these acquaintances and I've got people that I run into every once in a while. It's this idea that I am totally open to whoever God brings in my path and all those gates are open and they never close. And if God wants to move some random person I met on the street, tomorrow, uh, into that deepest inner circle, then, then by all means he can do that. And that's going to be a great gift to me. And so it's living life like that. Jesus, um, (laughs) we desperately need you to save us from our self-focus. And so this week, um, let's open our hearts to him and receive his love for us and let him lead us to sharing our lives and, and his word, uh, from a heart of deep affection for all these people around us um, and experience abundant life. Father, please do this for us. Lord, Lord, help us to pay attention when you speak. Help us to take you seriously and know that you are always coming to give. Lord, you're never coming to take. You're always coming to give and give life and give it abundantly. So Lord, open us up more now as we worship you in song. And uh, open our mouths wide and, and fill them with good things. In Jesus' name, amen.